2: America armed and dangerous. There are now some 40 million handguns Firearm in the country. Firearm injuries
1: represent an
2: epidemic Epidemic of States. gun violence. Join us in this campaign to reduce gun violence. The only thing
1: that stops a bad guy with a gun, gun. Mass is in America a good America. guy a shooting with a rampage. 316 people are shot every single day. America's prisons are overflowing, but many who are kept behind bars are just children. Thousands of youths are tried as adults in the U.S. every year, and some are given life sentences in the country's harshest jails. Many then find themselves becoming victims of sexual violence and suicide. Authorities in western Pennsylvania have charged 11-year-old Jordan Brown as an adult.
0: The boys will have one trial together
2: in adult court. The length of his sentence is also the length of his
1: life. They're not old enough to drive, drink, or vote, but in America, kids as young as seven years old can be tried as adults. Movita Johnson-Harrell is a wife, mother, and grandmother. She lost her father, only brother, and cousin to homicide. On January 13, 2011, Movita's youngest of four children, Charles Andre Johnson, was only 18 years old when he was shot and killed in a case of mistaken identity. In 2011, Movita created the Charles Foundation. She works nationally to protect and empower our youth and to address the social determinants that lead to gun violence. In Philadelphia, she's been the moral voice of the community for the focused deterrence strategy, and she's engaged those likely to kill and or be killed. Movita is dedicated to ending gun violence and empowering communities to heal from the trauma of living in active war zones. In January of 2018, Movita was appointed supervisor of the Victim Witness Services and Restorative Justice Program at the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office by DA Larry Krasner, becoming the first Muslim woman appointed to a supervisory law enforcement position in the city of Philadelphia. On March 12, 2019, Movita won the special election for the state representative, In the 190th Legislative District, capturing more than 66% of the vote in a four-person race. Movita made history as the first Muslim woman ever elected to the General Assembly in Pennsylvania. On March 5th, 2021, Movita's surviving son, Dante L. Johnson, was only 30 years old when he was shot and killed in a random drive-by on a trip to California. Movita continues to work in the memory of both her sons, Dante and Charles. She works to address the factors that lead to gun violence, including systematic racism, poverty, and gentrification. She's also leading a national grassroots movement to end gun violence by empowering those closest to the problem to be the solution. Your call to action today, call your local district attorney's office and ask specifically what they're doing to work on gun violence. This is an ongoing issue in the United States. It's not political either. This happens in all states, no matter what party people are voting for. Please work to end gun violence. Thank you so much for listening. What's
2: up, people out there? I see. I know y'all listening to Death by Incarceration Season 2. It's completely dedicated to the sisters out there. And today we have a wonderful guest that's been an inspiration not only to me, but to hundreds of juvenile life is coming home. And I can sit here and tell you all about it, but I'm going to let herself, you know, I'm going to let her tell her narrative because I think it's important in this season. So, ladies and gentlemen, Fans of death by incarceration, season two. Welcome, Movita Johnson. Hey,
0: thank you so much, Suave, for having me on. It is so good to see you, brother. So good to see you. So as Suave said, my name is Movita Johnson Harrell. I'm a five-time co-victim of homicide, five generations of substance abuse and poverty and fought really hard to protect my children. Ten years ago, I lost my 18-year-old son, Charles Johnson, to a case of mistaken identity. Then began to fight for our young people on both sides of the gun because they're all victims. When you create a certain situation, you're going to get a certain outcome. And a lot of what's going on with our young people and guns is by design, right? We got the social determinants that lead to gun violence when you disinvest in communities this is what you're going to get what we're seeing now with over 404 homicides in philadelphia so went into ran in 2016 did not win but i won um because i got tapped by district attorney larry krasner to come in his office and i actually ran his victim services and restorative justice unit out of the district attorney's office and then in 2019 um because the mayor still would not fund specific gun violence strategies that were proven to work. I was tapped by the Democratic Party and I ran for state representative in the 190th district, won with 66% of the vote in a four person race, went up to Harrisburg, did everything I said I was gonna do, by the way, was the first Muslim woman ever elected to the Pennsylvania legislature, went up to Harrisburg, did everything that I said I was gonna do. And on December 4th, 2019, I was indicted for corruption. And then I wound up in jail. And we can talk more about that later if you want.
2: You know, yes And myself and Kevin, you know We just, like I said I remember meeting you when I first came home And I was summoned to the district attorney's office And it was like the first time Me being in the district attorney's office As a regular citizen You know, not because I was in trouble and I was coming to meet I think I met with you And um, Jody And It just felt natural because I'm thinking here I am, I'm going to meet with the victim advocates and my perception of victim advocates to that point was they don't want to talk to ex-felons, they don't want to talk to convicts, they don't, you know they're on a different, on a different path but I get there and you embrace this like it was almost like an embrace, like a mother embrace, like welcome home brother, what can I do for you, what can charge do for you you know, and to me that changed my whole perception of advocacy and the way I look at victims advocate. It really did because I didn't expect somebody in that hot office to really say, you know what, whatever happened, happened. You you went in, you did your time, welcome home. What can we do for you? How can mm-hmm. we work together? You know, and what's mind blowing that a lot of people may not know is that you was the victim advocate, but well, you also did a lot of community work with ex-offenders. You try to bring all of them together. Talk, speak yeah. a little bit about that. And, and yeah, the reason absolutely. why. Yeah,
0: absolutely, so, you know, I, I mean, I come from the hood, right? I watched my brother be beat by the police. I watched my brother get arrested just because he was a black man. So I know that especially black and brown men are more susceptible to wind up in the criminal justice system than anybody else, right? And now we're at the point where black and brown women are the ones winding up in in, in by incarceration than anybody else. But I, I literally realized that, you know, while people offend, we all make mistakes and we all human and we all have a right to redemption right? And we all have a right to make, we all have the opportunity to make things right. But for me, it was important because one thing that I understand is that we always talk about rebuilding the village, but you can't rebuild the village if you don't reimagine the village, right? Because we lost a whole generation to crack and we got these holes in our communities that beg to be filled. I understood that you know brothers who are who are currently incarcerated or who were coming home could fill some of those some of those holes right because some of us are part of the problem and some of us are part of the solution. But by going into the prisons, you know, I went in, I taught impact time class for years. Um, I went in, my stepfather is still up at Grateford for a homicide that he didn't commit, right? So I went in, I worked with the lifers, I worked with the silver foxes, I worked with, you know, different groups and and even worked with, the keystone beyond the mar- the bars to do scholarships for children who have been impacted by violence, right? Because I know that it takes all of us to solve the problem. Like, people don't understand. I, I would have to have this conversation with lots of victims Swabi. And what I would tell them was I would shut them down. You know, when they would talk about, well, they don't deserve a second chance. and And I said, listen, I understand most, more than most, what it's like to be a victim, right? I'm a five-time co-victim of homicide. I lost my father, my only brother, both of my sons and a cousin, right? I understand what it feels like to have someone snatched away from you, right? but I also understand how the system is set up, how racism is set up, how poverty is set up, how education is set up. And here's the thing, when you deprive people of the basic things that they need to be successful, you're gonna get bad outcomes, right? So I've had to have the conversation with victims that in the blink of an eye, it could have been your kid on the other side of that gun. Or in the blink of an eye, it could have been your kid on the other side of whatever crime that was. So we can't afford to throw any of them away, right? Our children are not disposable. Our people are not disposable. So the work that I've done has been just for that, you know, and and this was long before, you know, criminal justice, you know this, before criminal justice reform became popular and the catchphrase and all of that.
2: You know, what I found most interesting is that that up to the point when you took office, you know, when we talk about victims, uh, the picture that came up was white people. Nobody wanted to believe that uh, most of the people that offense at some point in their life are victims too. I'm a victim, I see my grandfather get killed, you know. So, and I never used that because, and I remember speaking to you about it in, in, DC when we spoke about it, and you said you shouldn't you shouldn't run for that because it, it's it it's your truth, right? But I never wanted to use that and say, you know, I was a victim. I see my grandfather get murdered when I was twelve, you know, while he was giving me a haircut. Because I always felt that I didn't want nobody to think, oh, he's trying to get sympathy. Right. But the reality is that when I witnessed my grandfather get murdered, that was like mm-hmm. the point when life mm-hmm. took a turn. Everybody, and if I had intervention at that point, everybody would have been a different result. But it wasn't. You know, so to me, when I, when I saw you out there praising both sides, you know, I was just like, wow. You know, I wish that one day uh, I could work at that level. You know, and even though I liked... That I've forgiven, uh, the person that murdered my grandfather. I still wonder if I get to see him face to face, how would I react? I don't know, and then that's the honest truth, you know. So when we started season two, we was like, Kevin, we got to get Mobita, we got to get Mobita, because I don't think people nationwide know the the full story. They don't know the full story. I I don't think they know the full story, right? And i go as far as saying that I was really hurt when they did you dirty mm-hmm. the way they did. But I was really hurt because, and a lot of us, a lot of people that, that was working with you, a lot of people that was inspired by you, we was hurt because we felt that part of the reason that they did you dirty was because you was embracing a lot of us too much. And it was always you, you for them. And the dumb meaning ex-felons, people's returning home, you more for them than us you know i'll speak on that a little yeah
0: so you know and 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 i don't even know if you realize suave i have never um publicly spoken about the case like really spoken about the case because i was literally gagged like i I was told that i couldn't talk about it or there would be other consequences right (laughs) um but a, a lot of the reason why I was targeted and I was targeted was because of my practices and the way that I moved, right? Because I fight for marginalized. I don't care who that marginalized is, right? I fight for people that other people don't want to fight for. I fight for people who don't have a voice, be it a victim or be it a brother behind the bars. Um, because guess what? they're all a part of our community, right? And they all deserve representation and they all deserve a voice. Um, so if you remember, when swing in, and, and that actually went international, right? Because I was the first Muslim woman sworn into the legislature, to the Pennsylvania legislature, um, and at my swearing in, with 55 of my family and friends sitting in the well of the house, a evangelist Republican rep gets up to the podium and literally says this fire and brimstone speech telling me that I wasn't welcome in the house of representatives, you know, and I knew being the first Muslim woman, being an advocate for both sides, being the gun violence lady fighting for people who don't have a voice. I knew that I would receive resistance. Right. And a lot of people don't even realize I never wanted to be in politics. Like that was never on my to-do list. That was never one of my goals. I ran for office because I was tired of people who were in power not doing the right thing by the people who live in the communities that they serve. Right? So she did this fire and brimstone speech telling me that I was not welcome and I absolutely believed her. And that's why when I went up to Harrisburg, I did everything that I said I was gonna do in the short amount of time that I had up there. As a six month freshman, with no history in politics, didn't even like civics class in high school. I bought back $1.3 million for the GBI strategy, the gun violence intervention strategy that I went up there to get the money for. I bought over $6 million back in community improvements to my district. And then they came for me, you know, and I knew that they were coming for me. I knew that a big target was on my back, right? But here's the thing, when you walk a path and you walk in a path and you led by something more divine than you, I knew that whatever was coming down that path, that I was going to be fine. I knew whatever was coming down that path, that the creator was going to guide me through that. And you'd be surprised at the people who threw me under the bus. You know, I was being called a thief. I was. It was just outrageous like that to the point where even till today, Suave, it's, it was so painful. I still have not been able to watch that press conference because it was just that painful and it was filled
2: with untruths. Kevin, I see you shaking your head. I told you, I told you that Movita was the truth. I told you this, like I told you that. Well, I mean- And it, 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 it's just goes to the heart of what I always say.
1: Yep.
2: You know, Philly it's, politics it's is very game. It's,
1: it's another episode Perry. of Surprise Not Perry. Surprise, right?
2: You know, you'd be surprised who laugh in your face in the political world in Philly and then go around, yeah. around your back and just throw you under the bus. You it know, is... but what they didn't know was that the community embraced this woman. The community, the people that put her in power never looked at her as a thief. The people that put her in power. Yep. they would look at her like we looked at steph Williams and I mm-hmm. and I would throw his name out we never did that because we saw it we saw it as they set the sister. up that was making sure that the brothers there was in sisters that was coming home were connected to that to that movers and shakers that could change policy you know and we knew like oh my god they got her Right, they got because it 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 was obvious. It was obvious that they wasn't feeling it, but at the same at the same time, I don't think they expected the welcoming that we had for you when you came back to the community, big and better, with more ideas, with more uh energy, and then tragedy strike again. You know, speak on that a little bit because I don't think that people understand. Right? This is a testament of of will. This is a testament of having faith in who you say you are in your creator. This is a testament of standing by what you say you are and do. You know, this sister here Could very much say, I don't give a damn about nobody in prison. I don't want none of y'all out. Because she's been uh, uh, touched by tragic not once but twice on her two sons, not to mention her brother and cousin. I mean, this is like this is like what we are fighting for in the city of Philadelphia, not to have another mother or father go to. And you've been through every step of that. Speak on it a little bit when you first heard that your son. Was murdered in California.
1: Like, what was that like?
2: And I'm sorry, I'm sorry I'm asking don't questions, but I just think people need to understand, man, that if this one woman could forgive and still serve the community, if you could do it that mean that we could do it too we had no excuse yeah. city philadelphia is already notched a grim milestone it's 100th homicide of the year police say
1: a 28 year old man was shot several times last night just before 11 o'clock here in west philadelphia officers turned out to the 100 block of north 53rd street the victim was
2: rushed to the hospital but was pronounced dead
0: so you know my son went to california for a weekend trip um and he was actually like, I, I always tried to give my kids the best. A lot of people don't realize I'm a recovering addict. I, I, I'm recovering from an active crack addiction and I have 27 years clean and I got clean for my children, right? To provide a better life for my children. I moved my children out of Philadelphia in 2008 to get them a better life, you know? And Charles came back to pick up his sister and was killed. And my son, Dante, has been on the front line of this issue with me for the last 10 years. You know, this is a family. The Charles Foundation is a family foundation, right? And we all work just like to empower our young people to make better decisions and to give them the things that they need to be successful. And my son has stood beside me. Like if you go to my social media, like everything, right? My son is beside me, like he stood in the gap. Charles and and, and like all of the love that I had for Charles, he took it, right? All of the pain, like he took it. And we were actually displaced from our house when my son went to California. We had some damage to the house and we had to temporarily move to Roxborough and I had asked my son to come home. I asked my family to all come together you know, when I was indicted for corruption. Um, And everybody came home because I asked them to, because I wanted them to be together to support each other. So my son was at home, he was raising his four year old and my son left out Thursday. You know, I was doing these smoothie videos and in all of those videos, my son is behind me. He was my biggest cheerleader. He was my biggest supporter, right? And he was pushing me to get this book done. And he went to California and I was actually on, I do this thing called community classroom every Friday night at six o'clock with Jamie Blackwell and some other people, Shamari who who has a word radio show. Um, And we talk about being black in Philadelphia. And we talk about all kinds of issues. And I was on that show um, when a young man started DMing me on Facebook. And I was like, I don't know this guy, like I'm not answering this, I'm on my show right? And then my husband's phone rang, and it was my son's best friend. And he told my husband that something had happened to my son, and somebody's trying to get in touch with me and to to answer that call. And we found out that my son, he was actually staying near Disneyland and had come into Compton, and it was actually Hood Day in Compton, had come into Compton, and a young man came up and shot into the crowd and shot four people. And my son was the only fatality. My son was shot once in the right eye. And for me, it was devastating because even after I lost Charles, right? I did all of this work to try and protect my surviving son and my grandsons and everybody's son. But here I come again, stepping into this tragedy and this trauma, Um, and it was devastating, and it is devastating, you know? And even like finishing this book was difficult, but I did it for my son because I had to find something positive to distract me from the pain of losing my son. And here's the thing, when Charles was murdered, we got the opportunity to go through a trial, right? And I had the opportunity to forgive those boys. Like before the trial even ended, I called my family together, you know, because I blame the system. Because when a homicide detective told me, you know, Movita, we knew these boys were gonna harm somebody, while Charles is a pure victim, we had him in and out of juvenile, we had him in and out of adult. And I looked at this detective like he had two hands. I said, so they're not responsible for murdering my son, you are, right? Because they had him. And they didn't fix him so i was able to do that with charles and i had to do that with the boy whoever he is that murdered my son and i had to do that for me and i had to do that for my family right and here's the thing they may he hasn't been caught and they may never catch him and that's not even my concern my concern is that we stop the next young man from shooting that we stop the next young man from going into the cemetery and we stop the next young man from going into the prison system right and that's my goal is to just stop it let's cut it off at the knees let's give these young people what they need to be successful so that they're not having to pick up guns
1: yeah i mean i I don't even know what to say. I'm speechless with with your resolve and your strength. And I know that obviously there's a lot of grief underlying this. But I want to just say, you know, thanks for coming on here and talking about this so openly. I, I, I just can't imagine. You know, Suave knows I got two kids, and I can't, I cannot imagine the grief. And um, you know, but you know, you've you've been an inspiration to Suave for a long time. You know, and the work you've done especially with returning citizens and you know walking that line of like you know safety doesn't always look like locking everybody up you know and that's a that's that idea is so foreign to most of our district attorneys and you know prosecutors across the country and especially you know the political right or left doesn't matter they they got the same attitude you know (laughs) and um so i just want to say i appreciate that and you know let's i mean so how are you going to continue to to do this work, you know, given what else is going on now? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it seems like violence has been on the rise during the pandemic. It looks like we've seen a little bit of dip since people are going back to work and not so stressed out about money. But, you know, how how do we get this message out there? What do we do, you know, as a community to help you push this, you know, and and talk about safety along with being sane about what we're doing to our communities through mass incarceration?
0: Absolutely. So what we need to do is we need prevention, not intervention, right? Um, And I was part of an end gun violence coalition who pushed to bring that extra money through city council um, for community based initiatives to prevent violence right um also i worked with representative donna bullock because like i said i never wanted to be a legislator um but my end goal i wanted to be in the house for two or three sessions right so that my end goal would be to get a line item on the governor's budget for prevention initiatives right and 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 i said it before my whole thing is let's address the social determinants that lead to gun violence so through my work with donna bullock we were able to get 26 million dollars for pennsylvania for gun violence prevention um, and intervention and trauma-informed services um, but we need to do a couple things so i always talk about the social determinants so the t- social determinants is like if you understand maslow hierarchy of needs right everybody needs safety and security love and belonging food and water then they can become self-actualized right So we disinvested in our communities. We took away education. They live in food deserts. There's housing scarcity. There's like poverty so deep that people can't climb out. And then on top of that, we have gentrification right where you got these these groups of boys who are beefing and there used to be space in between them but now you have gentrification coming in which is all intentional by the way gun violence is very intentional and i'll get to that you have gentrification coming in and pushing them on top of each other of course you're going to have an increase in gun violence because before where they had space in between them now there is no space and it has already been proven and the controller actually heard me say this a couple years ago and went and did her research and found out that it was absolutely correct. What I was saying was that the communities with the highest rates of poverty have the highest rates of gun violence. And then you got developers coming in, buying up these properties because they're pennies on the dollar, because nobody really wants to be there because of the gun violence. Right. And then they're pushing them out and on top of each other, hence the increase. So we got the need to address, to address the social determinants of violence, but how do we do that? We do that by providing education, right? We've defunded our public school system and funded charter schools. Well, guess what, all the kids in the hood can't get into charter schools, right? For some parents, they don't have a choice but public school. And they're sending kids into schools with no textbooks with inadequate teacher-student ratio, with frailing infrastructures. Some of these schools have asbestos and they're sending our young people in there, right? So we need to educate our young people. We need to fund education, properly fund education. Everything that we need, everything that we do with young people needs to be trauma-informed because all of these children are traumatized. In the Charles Foundation, I've been going into schools for the past 10 years, and I talk to kids as young as six years old in first grade. And when I ask them a set of questions, how many of you have ever heard a gunshot? 90% of the hands are going up. How many of you have ever lost somebody to gun violence or know somebody that's been shot? 90% of the guns, hands are going up. These kids cannot wait until I finish the presentation so that they can come over to me to talk about their specific Circumstances, and they tell me, Miss Movita, I know what a gunshot. I know what I know what a, a nine millimeter sounds like. They, I'm talking about first graders, right? So we need all of our services need to be trauma informed. Our children are traumatized, and we know that hurt people. What they hurt people, right? They have to go to school in war zones. They're stepping over dead bodies. They can't even come outside and play in the neighborhoods because we got two two two-year-olds and four-year-olds being shot. So we need to invest in education. We need to have trauma-informed services. We need to have mental health services, right? Because mental health is so prevalent in black and brown communities and it continues to go unaddressed. We need drug and alcohol services because a lot of our kids are hooked on Percocets. But guess what? If they ain't white, they ain't cared about we had a crack epidemic right where we incarcerated there was a war on drugs because it was black and brown people who were using drugs but as soon as them kids came from the birds and started going down kensington we have we have an opioid crisis well we have an opioid crisis in the hood too We got a lot of kids taking perks and all other kinds of drugs, and we need drug and alcohol treatment. It needs to be be free to everybody who needs it. Yeah, Tracy, well, one of the major, one of the key findings of that report is that many of the people responsible for the gun violence in our city have actually been victims or witnesses to gun violence before. Many of them have already been in the system, not for crime, but for things like behavioral health. And that's why city leaders say it's so important that we not only focus on enforcement moving forward but also on intervention and prevention we need to make sure that people are eating we got parents so inundated with just keeping a roof over their head and keeping food on their table and trying to hold on to their apartment that they can't worry about what their kids is doing you know what i tell parents they live in your house they don't have no respect flip their rooms find the guns find whatever's. I'm going to get them in trouble because you're saving their lives when you do that. And maybe someone else's, we got a lot of young people that carry guns and don't even want to carry guns. You know why they carry guns? Because everybody else got guns. Where are the guns coming from? Right? Won't make Smith and Wesson in the hood. So some things that everyday people can do, and this ain't rocket science, mentor a young person. If you see a young person standing on your corner every day, start speaking to that young person. They're going to speak back. If you know some kids in your neighborhood that ain't got no food, come see, call me. I'll bring you food. Let's get them fed. You know some young people need a male influence? Call me. I got them. Everything that we do is free of charge. Contrary to what was said about me, I have two nonprofits that has never solicited a penny in the years that I've been doing them we have volunteers we have people and i'm willing to spend my own money to save our children this is easy stuff that we can do have a town watch group in your neighborhood so that you can so that you can police your own community because guess what the police are so afraid of our children that when they come in and i call them children i mean you know what i mean young adults teenagers and young adults but when they come in they're coming in in hyperdrive they're coming in in attack mode because they're afraid for their own safety let's police our own communities let's reimagine the build- village we talk about rebuilding the village but you cannot rebuild it unless you reimagine it
2: you know and i just want to add to that that when miss bullbeater talk about education we talking about a proper education and not these educational institutions in the hood. They look they, they look exactly like prisons. You know, they That's just the like law. prisons. You know, you could go to a school down in Philly, and I live in North Philly, it look like a prison, but then you drive 15 minutes to Montgomery County, a half hour to the suburbs, and you feel like you ain't college in a public school. What's wrong with this picture? What is wrong with this yeah. picture, people? Like, we this it, 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 if we ever had a time to shake the tree and make a change, it's now. It's really now. And we don't, you know why we don't? Because we so busy caught up on, well, she went to jail, she was locked up, so do your son, so do your daughter, so do your father, you know. If, if you live in Philadelphia And you tell me I don't know nobody That ever went to prison Call me And I, and I will Clean the house for a whole month Your car and everything I would do that <laughs> Call me You know Let's stop being hateful Towards people That's really doing the job And supporting them You know That's what we need to do And for my ex-offended Brothers and sisters out there You know Stop acting a fool You know People like Mobita Johnson Amongst other people Fought for us To have our voting rights Once we get released from prison And we don't even use it Why well, should I vote? They're not going to listen to me You know why you should vote? Because people like her Put her career on the line For us To be able to vote That's why you should vote because if we don't have people like Morita on a city level, we don't have a voice. We don't have a voice. Because trust me, everyone that look like us, they speak like us, it's not for us. And if you don't believe me, look at the city right. council people. You know, I can sit here and drop names of the city council people. They only come to the neighborhood when they got a Puerto Rican festival or when they want a photo op. they come down and clean Kensington once a week once a year and they take a photo that's not enough it's not enough as a person that went away for 31 years and came back into the same community that put me away you know I feel I have a responsibility to speak on these issues you know because today I am a taxpayer I am a regular citizen so I feel like I have the power to say something to address my city council person and if they don't listen, if they don't feel like I'm listening, I'm going to mobilize a few hundred of my brothers and sisters and say, you know what? The next cycle around, when it comes down for election, they show that person who really got the power. This is what Miss Mobita and other people in the city of Philadelphia fought for. Every state rep that ever put their career on the line for the betterment of the people and for returning citizens have been indicted in the city of Philadelphia. They always find something. (laughs) They always find something. Always. And we at the and we like, oh my God, how dare you? Come on, people, we gotta be better than that. We gotta be better than that. Week after week, you don't see them people that come from the Florida walks giving out for the community, or extending themselves beyond what they're supposed to do. You don't see that. I guarantee you not five of y'all know who your city council people are or their phone numbers, other than their phone numbers. But I guarantee you to have Philadelphia know them will be this personal number. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's get real. Yeah, This is the type of people we need Speaking for our rights You know And and, and, and like I said And like I said How are we going to judge somebody When we ourselves been in the same situation Who am I to say Well she got locked up Well I was locked up too for 31 years You know so who am I Who are you How dare you you know, we in the city of Philadelphia should be ashamed that when we see sisters in the front line, instead of us standing beside them and saying, we with you, we always got some fly stuff to say. Man, I don't like cubs. I don't do this. I don't do that. But as soon as we see a white person doing the same exact thing, we in there like, oh, welcome. Man, that's some bullshit. And I say, I say Kevin, you don't have to say it. i say it. Right? Both of us can't get in trouble. i say it, right? That we in Philadelphia, we need to come together and support what we already have. Period. Your book should be number one by now. Period. Period. Because it don't only tell your story. When you're reading it, it's telling the story of us. Believe it or not. Yes, that's what I got out of it. It's our story we're talking about, you know. And when I hear people say, "I'm not gonna read that," why? I don't know her. Man, you you don't know her? You know Donald Trump? I bet you you read all Donald Trump's book when he was in. Bet you you read all the book novels. I say read some real stuff, you know. And I'm not only promoting this. Because I know you, I, I really feel that you are one of the sisters in the city that don't, they haven't gotten her flowers. They haven't, You haven't gotten your flowers right now. You know, we always want to wait to somebody die and say, you know what, uh, she did, she that. No, I'm telling you now, we give, that fine conservation is giving you your flowers now. Because really believe really, we really believe that the work you have done has inspired us to do this podcast. We really believe it. And when we started planning season two, the first thing that came up out the hat was your name. It was your name. I said, there's no way we can have season two and we can't have Mobita on the show. You know, because you are like everyone's mother believe it or not you are like the mother that a lot of people didn't have or wish that they had that's you you know so death by incarceration is giving you your flowers now you know we we telling you that we need you we need you on the front stage we want you on the front stage and whoever don't care you know heck it Heck it. That's your problem. Deal with it. Deal with it. But one thing um, we know is that we're not going to find too many mobitas in Philadelphia. It's on you, Cat.
1: Well, I, I mean, I agree with Suave. We've met a few people there, and there aren't aren't too many of, of there aren't too many people in the world with your resolve. Number one, I mean, not even just in Philadelphia. I mean, that I've met ever. I mean, the stuff that you've been through, I, and I too am clean. Like Suave knows, I'm. I'm coming up on 23 years clean from heroin. So I know that that recovery, there's a bunch of trauma therapy that you need to do to even stay clean, let alone encouraging it for other people. You know, I didn't even realize that until I was like 20 years clean. <laughs> oh, I should probably get some therapy for my my childhood trauma. That might be a good idea. You know, it only, you know, basically had me shooting heroin in my neck on the street and going to jail over and over again, you know, so. uh You know, I think I think we need to find ways not only to to encourage this, but to fund it. And, you know, I I don't see why this hasn't become standard of practice for people coming out of prison, for people that are coming from from backgrounds that are where there's generational trauma. You know, this should be part of the public schools. You know, this should be part of everyday life when you get home from school, you know. But we also need to teach our communities how to talk about it, not be embarrassed about it, you know, and that goes for almost every community. I mean. I'm white and oh, growing no, up, my oh, parents man. never talked about this shit. What's that? I said, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I didn't realize. <laughs> but you
2: know what, Kevin? Let me say this. Right? We need more people to start talking about this, right? But not from a textbook perspective. We need more people to start talking about this with lived experience. And that's the difference. Marita lived this. She, she's been through this, right? So when she speak, you feel uh, that she's being authentic. A lot of people That want to be Where she at Or where she was at It's just people That wanted the glory It's like she said She ain't never Asked for nothing She never said Give me this Give me that For anything She used her position To help the community Period You know But If you're going to Speak about it Know what you're Talking about Know what you're Talking about And understand That Today could be Mobita But tomorrow Could be you Period Period the same person you're talking about today is probably going to be the same person that you're going to need tomorrow. Sisters, brothers yep. out there, you know, if you want to know the truth meaning of being an advocate, go read Morita's book. Read a book. You know, because an advocate is not just somebody that take a picture when it's time to speak about an issue and disappear for a year and don't know nobody in prison. Or or don't have no dealing with people in the justice system other than what you see on TV or when you get your little photo ops. That's not an advocate. That's not an advocate. An advocate is someone that's been through hell and back and stand in front of you and tell you, you know what? I'm not going to stop what I'm doing. I forgive them two brothers that took my son. Because I don't want nobody else's son to go through it or to end up in prison. That's a truth advocate. That's somebody that you have to respect. Because, like I said when I started, I'm not even sure, right? I I think I know when I say I forgive the person that murdered my grandfather. But I'm not even sure if that's even real. And that's, and that's the honest truth. Mm-hmm. Because if I see that person to death, I can't tell you with certainty like I'm going to react this way and I'm not going to feel some other way. Because this happened in 1984 and to this day I never ever seeked it counseling for this issue. So in, in a way I'm still traumatized by it. And I know it. Because the family don't speak about it. Mm -hmm. it's almost like it never even exists you know so like I said I would love to have that courage and tell you like I forgave but I don't know I don't know you know and, and that's the honest truth so when I see people that actually say I forgive you or I forgave somebody and not just say it but demonstrate it that's somebody I bow down to. Now to
0: Philadelphia, where concern about the increase in deadly gun violence is bringing together school principals
1: around the city. They're sharing stories about how the violence is impacting their students and trying to figure out what can be done. ABC's Zachary Quiche has more on this. Good morning, Zachary.
2: Stephanie, good morning to you as well. Gun violence went up in 27 states during the pandemic. It went down in just one. It's up in certain parts of Brooklyn, it's up in Philadelphia where they've surpassed 400 murders for the second straight year and where kids continue to get caught in the crossfire. Because it gives me the strength to at least try a little harder to seek that level of forgiveness.
0: So I don't know if you know, Suave, not only did I forgive them, I asked for mercy at their sentencing. I asked for mercy, and the one young man got automatic life in prison without the possibility of parole, Um, but the second young man, the judge was going to give him 24 to 40 years, plus two gun charges, and because of my plea, she gave him 12 to 24 and dropped the two gun charges. So he will go up for parole in two years.
2: Kevin, this is the first time I've seen you speechless.
1: I'm completely blown away. I mean i just you know before said this was going to be a powerful interview I, i honestly had no clue you know i i, I saw you on some of the, the krasner you know documentary on pbs but this the hearing this story in person is just a whole nother level and i hope that this has the effect that it should have on our listeners and just the general public because these are the stories that have to be told these your story is one that the system will disappear just like the people that it sends to prison. Because people don't want to hear this. We want everything cut and dry. We got punishment, or we got, you know, we got punishment with safety, or we got nothing. You know, and again, I, I, say, it, I say it all the time, and I'll say it on the show again, this is not a political issue, it's a human rights issue. We've got communities around this country that are being ignored, deprived, and abused. And um, this has nothing to do with politics. You know, I'll, I'll, like I, I I told a funder recently about my nonprofit. I'll take money from the Koch brothers as quickly as I'll take it from, you know, the Bidens. I don't care. If they're funding right. criminal justice reform, real reform, their money's good with me. What what they do in the rest of their their political lives and their with their businesses is none of my business. Cause this is a human rights issue. So I yeah. Suave is right, I'm hardly ever speechless. Like I tell our network all the time, I'm a mouthy motherfucker, I, but there's certain interviews that we have that I'm like, you know? The Suave can tell you, Mama Didi did the same thing to me when she was telling us her story. I was just, you know? Passion. But it's also beautiful, because you, what it comes from is 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 an empathy and a compassion for your community yep. that goes beyond your own personal grief. Right. And that's real. And thank you, again. You know, so, what can we
2: do what do you you know we have a platform now uh oh, we have a platform where we are reaching millions of people potentially 40 million people plus right that's how many people we our new network have. you know so we 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 we're reaching a lot of people what do you suggest that we death by incarceration uh should use our platform for
0: i suggest You use your platform to push back against these politicians, career politicians who hold these offices and nothing ever gets better in our communities. That's number one. And the flip side of of that is use your platform to raise your own candidate to get these people out of office. The ones who are doing nothing for us, they're just collecting checks, getting free show tickets, doing their press conferences and photo ops, Start picking candidates from our own communities, helping them raise money and running them against
2: these people. I mean, I I, I say this, that when we started doing this, the only thing we promised our network and Apple was that we was gonna keep it authentic 100. And that we did not wanna be censored and we wanna be able to express ourselves however that come out without being censored and we have been able to do that you know most of our guesses uh, some of them are famous some of them are really nobody that nobody knows but those are the ones that we want because those are the ones they're doing the work in the community those are the ones that we get phone calls from different states saying, oh my God, I got to get in touch with that person. Don't, because we're talking about a serious issue here. We're talking about forgiveness, restoring justice. This is what this pulled to. We're talking about mental health. Because if your mental health is not right, when you are faced with a tragedy, uh, we don't know what to happen. Anything can happen. We talking about Standing fast yeah. on your faith We talking about Being able To say you know what This happened to me I can't Excuse me I, can, I can't change the fact But I could change the future And I'm going to do that this, this is what this is all about You know Being able To lean on somebody like you for that extra strength that we all need when we face with this tragedy. And to this day we have four hundred and three or four homicides in Philadelphia. Four hundred and four homicides. Right? So those are four hundred and four mothers that are going through the same exact than that you experienced. Not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, but five times. Five times. 404 mothers going through that tragedy. This is why we asked you to come on the show. Because perhaps one of them 404 mothers will hear it and draw the, the, the strength. and and the necessary courage to say, you know what, I'm not going to let this one tragedy break me. Because we all know that if we don't have that kind of support in the community, a tragedy can lead some of our mothers and fathers and family members to drug addiction, suicidal thoughts, amongst other things. We all know that. You know, this is why we actually come here, you know, because you've been such a great inspiration, not only to me, but to the city, to the city, and perhaps now to the world where people can be like, wow. Because often when we hear about somebody getting murdered, we don't really hear what the family go through. We don't really hear about that. And a lot of the times... Even the family members don't talk about it because they get it, you know, they deal with it by smoking, getting high, getting drunk. So that's the way I'm going to deal with that (laughs) panic. And that's not the right way because that leads to other things. You know, a lot of the time, a lot of us go out and react in certain ways that hurt other people. Because, like Mobita said, hurt people do what? Hurt people. You know, that's been a proven fact. That never failed. Never fails. When I saw my grandfather get killed, oh, I was thinking about the whole world gonna the whole world gonna hurt. And in the process, I ended up serving 31 years. So nobody nobody really gained from that at all. And this is the reason we asked you to come on the show. So before we close, we have this thing called a call of action that we ask all our guests. What will be your call of action to the city of Philadelphia?
0: My call to action to the city of Philadelphia would be to make sure that they are funding evidence-based strategies that are trauma-informed that will keep our young people from ending up in jail or in the cemetery. That's all I've ever asked for. Stop giving money to these poverty pimps who look like us, who ain't never did nothing for us. Y'all keep funding the same thing over and over and over again and nothing ever changes. If nothing changes, nothing changes. We need evidence-based, trauma-informed, prevention, Services
2: And how people can find your book And support the Charles um, Organization People
0: can find me at www.movitajohnsonharrell.com And you can visit The Charles Foundation At thecharlesfoundation.com And, and can I add this Can I add this one If you got new people That yes. need to be engaged 14 and up got a, a school ID, send them to me. We do a work program on Saturdays. We've got a partnership with the Horticultural Society. We pay them $100 a day for five hours work. We mentor them, we talk to them. Right now I got kids and every one of them have been affected by gun violence. Two of them have been shot and several of them have been shot at.
2: I just heard another episode of season two, death by incarceration. And if you heard it here first, then you know it's official Death by Incarceration Like, subscribe on Apple Or anywhere you get your podcast Make sure y'all go out And buy Mobita's book Make sure y'all support The Charles Foundation And if any of y'all want extra information DM us We got you, we will connect you with her But whatever you do people Always remember There's always room for a better tomorrow
1: Thank you so much for listening. Please support us on Patreon at Death by Incarceration Podcast. Hit that follow button on all platforms. Share with a friend or 10. Follow us on social media at Death by Incarceration on Instagram, at DB Incarceration on Twitter, at DBI underscore podcast on TikTok. For all booking and media requests, please email Kevin at com. Death by Incarceration is a production of DBI Media LLC. Produced and written by Suave Gonzalez and Kevin McCracken. Editing by Jason Usri. Thanks to CrawlSpace Media and Glassbox Media for being our partners. Please listen to our other shows, Injustice with Lisa Spees and Spencer Daniels, and watch for our upcoming special on the Camp Hill Riot of 1989. Special thanks to Checker for all their support of the show and to Kevin and Suave individually. We really appreciate it. Have a great week, everyone. And please, if you can... Take action.
0: This is a Blast Box Media Podcast.